0: Tonight we are going to talk about the topic of hell. Um, why in the hell would we talk about hell? That was just to get some of your attention. I, I wanted to title a series Hell No or What the Hell, but that would really be too edgy for some of you. So anyway, uh, tonight we're just going to talk about hell and what is this place like and what are we going to, or who is going and what's, what's it going to look like or what does the Bible tell us about hell and uh, really is extremely difficult, extremely difficult to talk about hell. Why? Uh, number one, it, you've, you've probably experienced some guy or a pastor getting up on a stage and just screaming and sweating, yelling about hell where the worm don't die, and you know, everyone's going to go, and you know, really just trying to make you feel guilty. Uh, the first sermon I ever heard on hell, I was four years old. Akron Bible Church, I was sitting in my pew, and the guy's up there just screaming about hell, and he was saying, you know, the devil is, you know, not letting you out of your seat, and I remember just being so nervous, and I mean, as a four-year-old, they were trying to, what, scare the hell out of me, to where I would make a decision for Christ. The second sermon I heard on hell was at uh, a camp, actually, called The Island, Word Life Island. There was this guy uh, every year he would come and give the talk. His name was uh, Joe Jordan. And this guy would preach a sermon on hell that was absolutely insane. And I just remember a yo- as a young, I was in high school or middle school at the time, he would get up to talk about hell and there was this one line he always had in the sermon because it was about this girl who would get in a car accident, she died, she went to hell, and then she was crying out to her friends and he had this line. It was like, what didn't you tell me? What didn't you tell me? What didn't you tell me? And he said it every Every year, So, like, all of us would look around and be like, it's about to come, why don't you tell me, why don't you tell me? And, you know, we almost just made a mockery of it. It wasn't really important to us. Well, tonight, my goal uh, is to really give the assurance, if you are unsure about hell and heaven and where you're going, I'm going to ask you tonight, I'm asking you specifically to make a decision. If you have any uncertainty about where you would go when you die... Tonight I'm going to ask you to make a decision before we're done. And for the other half of you where you would say, I have the confidence that I am going to heaven. Why would I talk about hell? What is the goal for me? It's twofold. Number one, uh, to have the realization that it should motivate us that real people that we know will go there. And we have a responsibility to share with them and if we care for our friends or family, that in reality, we should try to share the gospel with people, because if people are going there, and I know anybody, I don't want them to go there. I don't want anyone to go to hell, and I don't think God does either. And third, for those of you who would say, I'm going to heaven, uh, but maybe you have never really thought about hell. Uh, you, You don't think about it. Maybe you don't you know, read the Bible, it doesn't come up. Uh, you're really not too concerned about it. You don't really know, is it just as hot? You know, it's long? I don't know. Like, you know, is God going to eventually restore everybody back? We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, but before I get into the topic of hell, Um, There are three questions about heaven and hell that I want to answer that I told you I would answer, and I want to be faithful. I know I got to be a little bit quicker tonight because uh, we have a curfew and I got to get you guys out of here, and so uh, we're going to do our best. The first question is this Do all babies go to heaven? Do all babies go to heaven? Um, Do aborted babies go to heaven? Do babies who die or who are killed um, in the womb, out of the womb, do babies go to heaven? Well, it says in 1 Samuel 12, 23, when David's son had died, David said this prayer. He said, he cannot come to me, but I will go to him. And he had the assurance that his son, who had died before he was able to make a decision to follow God, would be in heaven. It says in Jeremiah 19, 5, in the Old Testament, there was actually, it was Awful, I mean, I don't know how different it is from today, but there was Old Testament uh, baby sacrifices, right? And they would, al- they would put these babies on a sacrifice or an altar, and they would burn them to their wicked gods or their demons. And Jeremiah approaches, and he says, you have altered these babies the death of, it says, the innocent, which actually means in its original you know, Hebrew, if we want to go there, declared free. That these babies would be in heaven, that they are guiltless or innocent in and of themselves. And every, there's four different times in the Gospels in Matthew 19, the one in 13 and 14, Jesus says, What? Do not hinder who? The little children, or literally means infants, that they can come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I do believe that all babies. In the womb, out of the womb, that die or are killed will be in heaven. Every single one. Number two, this one is connected to this. What about age of accountability or people mentally unable to make a decision? So here's just, again, in this series there's always Bible nerd time. So this is going to happen a little bit tonight. Uh, in Psalm 51.5 it says that in your, in, in, when you were born that your mother conceived you in, that you were born into sin. It says in John 14, 6, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Romans 1, 14, it says that we are all without excuse because of creation. And in Acts 16, it talks about household salvation. So here's why I bring up age of accountability. What about someone who dies, um, who is unable to make a decision, or they are mentally unable to make a decision for Christ, where do they go? And when they face God, does God hold them accountable or responsible for the inability to make a decision? Here's what I believe. I know you guys are getting a little bit nervous, you're like, "I don't know. Uh, here's what I believe. I believe that someone is that the age of accountability is not necessarily not necessarily taught in the Bible. That there's, you know, if you look in the Old Testament, it was 13 when a boy became a man. I don't think that that's the age. I think age of accountability for someone or when someone is accountable to God is different for every person. I've talked to men who made a decision, actually the pastor of this church made a decision for Christ, I think when he was four or six. And he remembers clear as day accepting Christ. And that is when he decided to follow Jesus. I think age of accountability is different per person. But people mentally unable, I do believe, and I'm not extremely dogmatic about this, because again, a lot of this is conjecture. I believe it is outside the character of God for someone who is mentally unable to make a decision to cast them into hell. Why? It says in Romans 1, every single person will be without excuse. And what better excuse would it be to say, well, I didn't have the opportunity to make a decision? I wasn't mentally capable of making that decision. I'm not extremely dogmatic about it for a few reasons. Uh, Number one, there's no chapter and verse I can go to. Number two, right? we always put ourselves, if I was God, this is what I would do. If I was God, I wouldn't have created hell. Would you? I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made it for eternity. I wouldn't have created hell because we'll put ourselves in the camp, well, if I was God, this is what I would do, or this is what I would do. Tonight, we have to extremely, extremely be careful that we are under the book, right? That we just adhere to whatever God says, whatever he says. I believe that all babies will be in heaven. I believe there is an age of accountability. It's different for each person. And I believe people mentally unable to make a decision for Christ will be in heaven because that is outside of God's character. And number three, just for fun, will your dog be in heaven? I have no idea why I went like serious, serious, the pet, uh, uh, will your dog be in heaven? There's a pastor out there who always says, if it, uh, I, I don't know, I honestly was just up here and I was like, shoot, the, hev- the dog thing. Um, I, there's a pastor out there that says, if it has to be heaven for your dog to be there, your dog will be there. Um, I think that's weird and I don't know where he gets that, but I would disagree with that. Um, no, fufu will not make it uh, to heaven. Your cat, I have no idea. Your fish, I have no idea. I don't think they'll make it to heaven, Why? because they don't have a soul, right? They don't have a soul. They, they, they're not, they're, you're not talking to them. You're like, no, me and my dog, we talk every night, and they know everything about me. No, they don't. Uh, you're like, well, he has a personality and anything like that. So I don't want to get too carried away tonight. Um, your dog will not be in heaven, but there will be dogs there. There will be animals there. I'm kind of losing you tonight because you guys are like, man, the dog thing. Uh, Before I forget, remember last week when I talked about the trophies? And I told you guys I had a sheep trophy. I brought it tonight. Uh, Believe it or not, it says Best First Year Showman Michael Duma, Participation Trophy. I brought it. I told you about the sheep. I mean, believe it or not, Portage County, Randolph Fair, they gave these things out, and I think this was actually my brother's, but they put my name on it, and I got it. So, participation <laughs> trophies, not in heaven. Um, all right, let's jump in tonight. Number one, why talk about hell in a heaven series? Um, so, if, we, if, if I want to be extremely spiritual and be like, well, I just want to do what Jesus does. He talked about hell more than, I mean, not more than money, but more than heaven, so if he would do a series on heaven and hell, he would have spent two weeks on heaven and he would have spent 10 weeks on hell. He talked about hell a lot. He talked about hell a ton. And, if we, and, and how does it fit within the FOMO or fear of missing out series? Um, because if for the most of you or whoever's listening, you would say, well, I'm going to heaven, so why does this matter to me? Well, if I have FOMO or fear of missing out about heaven or its rewards... I should have the same kind of love or compassion or passion about somebody else coming with me, right? We talked about last week the the soul winner's reward, that there will be people who will be your crown. I want to talk about hell in a heaven series because we want to be faithful to the Bible. And a lot of you, you believe things about hell just because that's what you think, right? You say, well, I don't think it's forever because I, I wouldn't do that. Or you'd say, well, if I was God, this is what I would do. We have to know what the Bible says about heaven and hell. Number two, why talk about it? Um, Why did God create hell? Jesus says this, depart from me to an eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. If you're a big Bible nerd and you want to go read tonight, I would read Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Talk about how before creation for before heaven and earth when it was, that it was God and it was his angels and how the devil himself rebelled against God. So what does God do? He casts the devil out and the angels who would go with him. It was initially prepared for the devil and his angels. And number three, before I jump in tonight, uh, did Jesus go to hell? Reason I bring this up again, this is a lot, there's so much misconception about this. People will say that Jesus went to hell for three days. He was there for three days, and then he came and he rose from the dead, and he went to hell for you. Well, that's actually a a misconception or a misnomer of teaching that he did not go to hell. This is what the Bible says. What does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended. Far above all the heavens. Pull up First Peter 3 before I read that. Remember last week, and I'll talk a little bit tonight, when Jesus was on the cross with the thief and he looked at him and he said what? Today you will be with me where? Paradise. Today. That means like right now. So it says this in First Peter three: For Christ also suffered once for sins, or yeah, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. This one's a little tricky. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. When Jesus died in the Old Testament, how did an Old Testament person uh, go to heaven? We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. When Jesus died. In in the Old Testament, it talks about Sheol. It says the depths of Sheol or the heights of Sheol. In the Old Testament, Sheol is a holding place, right? It's not purgatory. We'll talk about that as well. That Jesus went down into the heights of Sheol, took a host of captives uh, in uh, Psalm 86, and he carries them into heavens, what it is now. And as he was there, he proclaimed to the spirits in prison, that when people are in hell, they know exactly exactly why they 're there and what would have got them to heaven that there is no room uh, for debate, there is no room for uh, arguing with or try, or the, the second chance aspect that is taught in some places and so in Luke chapter sixteen uh, where we 're going to be tonight we 're going to see this story that Jesus has and Just for us to get in our minds, because hell is just so tough to talk about, isn't it? Hell is a real place with real pain where real people go. And I don't like any of that. I don't like any of that. If I was God, I would not have done it that way. If you were God, maybe you wouldn't have done it that way. You would think, hell, like, I mean, just, and, and a lot of you think of hell, and some of you just have, You know, you have pictures in your mind. You have something that is in your mind of what you think hell is like. You think maybe it's just, it's it's in flames, it's hot, or, you know, is it dark? Is it, you know, it's for a season. You're in, you're out. You can get back out if someone uh, pays a lot of money to the pastors, or you can do this, or is there a back door? I've heard that before. Someone teaching there's a back door in hell. There are conceptions that you and I have because we want to have them. Good intentions, good intentions do not make up for bad misinterpretation. Good intentions that you and I have, right? Because if you're a good person, or if you're decent, uh, like if you enjoy humans, you don't want anyone to go to hell. At least you shouldn't. Even someone you hate to the utmost, you would say, I wouldn't want anyone to experience that, but we have to say, What does, and and I'm going to talk about why would a loving God allow something like this uh, tonight. We're going to talk about what we're supposed to do about it, but a lot of things we're going to say tonight, as you say, I don't like that, I don't like that, I think that's stupid, I think that's dumb, I think that's stupid, absolutely not. As you think that, just say, okay, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible say? That's what we have to ask. So Luke uh, 16, if you pull up the first one for me, and we're just going to read this along and we're going to read it slow and we're just going to kind of chat along the way. Jesus is telling the story real quick. When he tells a story, sometimes he will use uh, theoretical things like he'll, 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 what's called a parable or he'll something that's not real. This one is real because he uses actual names. It's like he's reading along and he just says your name or this person's name. These are real people who exist. There was a rich man, which uh, rabbit trail, some people would say divies, but it's actually, it's not just a rich man, it's someone, they called him in that town, the rich man, who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. At his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. The dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side, which for them in that understanding would be the heights of Sheol or heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, so we'll talk about that in a second, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. So let me talk for a second. This is not teaching. This is not teaching. That if you live a terrible life, that if you're poor, that if you're broke, if you got no money, and you're kind of like, I ain't got no money, like, what do I got to do? Like, if if you live a bad life, then you will get to heaven. That if you, I mean, dogs are licking this man's sores. He literally is homeless. He has nothing to offer. He has nothing to bring to the table. The rich man has everything. Everything at his, at his hand. He, he gets to eat whatever he wants. He has a, probably amazing house, and they die. One of them goes to Abraham's side, which would be heaven. The other one goes to Hades. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Goes to hell. Being in torment, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham. Do you guys remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about when you are in heaven, for some of us, you'll be able to see some people in hell for a season. You remember me talking about that? This story supports that idea. Now, I don't think that this will be forever and ever. I don't even know how dogmatic I am on this, even after I studied it a little bit more. I would say this story specifically, they are able to see each other. They are able to have conversation, we're going to see in a second. And you cannot, you cannot get from one to the other. One's in heaven, one's in hell, and they're talking. He sees Abraham, and he's got something to say to him. Go to verse 24. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Every single person who dies and goes to hell will do this. Every single one. They will understand why they're there, what sent them there, and they will plead for grace and mercy. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. So there, I mean, there's really no way to sugarcoat it, is there? Right? To, to imagine how awful this would be. It, it was Jonathan Edwards who said, thinking about death drove me to do what was right. It was one of my professors, Mark Stroud, who said this, if you and I And I'll I'll never forget this, this was my second year, I was 20, I just got in at 5 o'clock, we had a campfire service, went down to campfire service, he preached a message on Romans 12, 1 and 2, at the end of the message is what he said, if you and I could experience hell for 30 seconds, we would never be the same, not even remotely close. If we could experience it for 30 seconds, we would never be the same. We wouldn't be coming back trying to sell books and make money and all this kind of jazz. We wouldn't be trying to make a great name for ourselves. What would we be doing? We would be pleading with people to follow Christ. Abraham said, child, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Besides all this, so he says, despite the fact that you're in hell, despite the fact that you can't breathe, you can't drink anything, you're in flames in and of themselves. Besides all that, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed. There's something in between them where they can't go back and forth. He said, hey, send him to dip my tongue. I'm in flames, I'm in anguish. And he says, we can't, there's a chasm fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you May not be able and none may cross from there to us. So, two things I want to do just in this. The first one is this there is a belief and a teaching that you maybe have heard or pick up or carry that once you die, God will do one of these jobs. Hey, ah, forget it. Just come on in. I know I was saying all that whole hell and sin stuff in the Bible. I was just messing around. Come on, bring the squad, right? There is a teaching and a belief out there that, hey, hell, I know a lot of people going. I might as well go, right? I'd rather just have a good time with my my buddies or with people. I know a lot of people going to hell. I might as well just go with them. Those two things will not take place just because people want them to. They will not happen. And he says, a great chasm has been fixed. Go ahead and pull up the bridge uh, illustration for me. I just had to do it tonight. I had to. I know this is old school. We're going back to the 80s, but we just had to. So here's what is before us. When he says there's a chasm fixed between us and you, I think this explains it better than anything else. This is elementary. You've seen this on whiteboard. Some of you guys, you remember in Lake Center, you were going over this stuff. You remember this, but here's what it is. A chasm has been fixed between you and God. You cannot get to God. And you ever seen the one where it's got good works, like religion, you know, it's got money, it's got all this stuff. And it's always falling short. That you can't get to the other side. No matter how fast you are or how high you can jump or all your good efforts, you can't get to the other side. Until Christ comes and bridges the gap. That he is the one, the mediator between God and man. That it is not a holding place You can't get out and come back in and do whatever you want. There is not a second chance after death, but it has been fixed. Let me finish Luke 16, and then I'm going to answer, hopefully, all your questions. Then I beg you, and so once the guy realizes, the rich man, or dives, once he realizes he's not getting out, no one's coming to save him, he is stuck. Once he realizes that, he has the same thought you would have, the same thought I would have. Father... To send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So let's talk about this. He's there, he's stuck, and he says, Hey, if you won't come get me, if I can't get out, tell him to go back and tell people so they don't come. Because this sucks. This is worse than he could imagine. His life was amazing, right? Everything was perfect. And he says, Tell them to go. And Abraham said this, which just hits us right in the heart. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them, he said. No, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So what Abraham says is, hey, they got the Bible, right? And you guys are like, that, that's it? Like the Bible? He's like, they got John 3.16, 16. That's not what he's talking about, Moses. They got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They got to figure it out. And I'm like, really? Like, that's it? He said to them, if, if someone rises from the dead, they'll repent. He says, if someone comes back to life, man, if you, if you knew someone, if you knew someone, like not theoretically right now, and they were like, hey, in a couple weeks, <clears throat> I'm going to get COVID and I'm going to die. And after that, I mean, give me three days, right? They're going to put me in the box at a big funeral, everybody crying, and I'm going to pop out of that sucker, like, right during the funeral. You'd be like, nah. And then if it happened, right, you'd be like, everyone just following this person, right? Well, isn't that not exactly what Jesus does, right? He predicts his death, and he pulls it off. <clears throat> he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead so what i'd like to do with the remainder of our time is continue to talk about hell but hopefully answer some of your questions that i already know you have i already know you have and hopefully for you if you're in here tonight and you're like hey i'm i'm kind of scared i mean I, your blood's been pumping since we started talking about it. you have no idea when you die where you're going to go You kind of think, yeah, I don't really know. I'm not sure if this Christian thing is right. And for you, what is offered to every single one of us? So, five things I'm begging you, begging you to please hear the Bible say. Number one is this God's word, creation, and Jesus rising from the dead is enough to warn you. And there's the references. The crazy thing about that story in Luke 16, when he says, if someone would rise from the dead, they would repent. Well, if you follow chronologically, in John chapter 11, Jesus rises someone from the dead, and they put Jesus to death for that. They don't repent. So a lot of times, the reason you want God to show up or what you want him to do in your life, you, if, if God would just do this, then I will follow him. But when God does it, what do we do? Nothing. You make deals with God, and that's what they were trying to do with Jesus. That Jesus rising from the dead is enough to warn you. Signs in the sky. You want something. And because God is so loving, he does all this, and I think he does a thousand other things. I think he presses into you. He makes you uncomfortable. Man, he kept me up for three months, right? I didn't sleep an ounce, it felt like. And God was just nailing on me. But these three primary things God does. Number two. God doesn't want you to go to hell, and there's the references. I have Romans 9, 23, because I need to do something on that in here very soon, and I'm going to. I just don't know when and the timeline and all that stuff. But it says in Ezekiel 18, 23, God takes no pleasure or hates the death of the wicked. It bothers him. It annoys him. It says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God does not want anyone to perish. Or in 1 Timothy 2, that he wants all men to reach repentance. God didn't create hell. Did not create hell. Excited about the idea. Excited about the idea so millions and millions of people would burn forever. That doesn't bring joy to his heart. What kind of God is that? Not the God of the Bible. No pleasure in the death of God. Of the wicked. Number three says this: only Jesus can get you out of hell. Right? So for some of us, we would hold on to what mommy and daddy said or did. For me, what I held on to for 16 years, I held on to the fact that I walked an aisle. That was my that's what I held, that's what was getting me to heaven. I remember I was like, I had the boldness and everything, man. I was young. Everybody looking at me. I mean, I got that's gotta get me something. I thought that was going to get me to heaven. It says in Acts 4:12. There is salvation in no other name except the name of Jesus. That no man, John 14, comes to the Father but by me. If you think or believe that you do not have a relationship with God and you are going to hell, doesn't matter how good you are, doesn't matter how much money mom and dad got you, doesn't matter the things that you do on this earth, right? It's The story, Luke 16, it's accepting Christ as your savior and, and realizing the need for forgiveness of sins. Not just to be a better person, not to be, have a good moral compass, not to ba- maybe do better at life. No, 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 no. It's seeing a need for a savior and I fall short. That there is a great chasm fixed between me and God. Number four, if you pull it up for me. God will not, let, not ultimately let everyone out. So this one, widely debated. I'm going to do real quick uh, and just show you where this is at. Revelation uh, 20.10 says, The devil was thrown into the lake of fire. Where the beast and the false prophets were, right? That's where it was, that's what the lake of fire hell was created for, Gehenna or uh, Hades, right? And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. God's ultimate purpose and ultimate intent in creating or allowing to create hell. Revelation 10 14. Then death and Hades, where, where the rich man was. Were thrown into the lake of fire, which is exactly Revelation 2010, where they were thrown. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire, which does say forever and ever. In Matthew 25, 46. These will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Forever and ever. Eternal. That there's a teaching out there in First Corinthians 15 and Colossians 1 that God will ultimately restore all things. That he'll eventually say, hey, you know what? Forget what I said. Hey, you know what? I'll bring everything back together. Hey, there's that back door. If you find it, if you come to the realization, if you repent in heaven, that will not take place. It says in Hebrews 9, it is appointed for man once to die and then comes judgment. It says in Romans 9 20, 9, 20 and 21, how will what is molded say to the molder, why did you make me like this? That there will be no debate between us and God. He will say, if, if, he will say you knew You knew you had creation available to you. You had the Bible available to you. You you, you knew the way. You had the opportunity to respond. But God will not let ultimately everyone out. And that is the absolute worst one out of all of them. That's it. That's the one I hate the most. I don't like that one. I don't wanna teach that one. I wanna talk about heaven. I wanna talk about other stuff. I wanna talk about relationships. I don't wanna talk about that one. But Jesus was so loving withholding all the truth is withholding the truth and not telling it completely is a lie because some people might just believe well I might as well just I'd rather just go to heaven I don't want to think about that whole hell thing that sucks I don't like that and Jesus says I love you too much to not say it's eternal because if it is a loving person or parent communicates the entire truth not withholds number five Please hear the Bible say, God does not allow innocent people to go to hell. And it's in Psalm 51, 5, that in our mother's womb, we were conceived into sin, right? That we were born sinners, right? You can tell that right off the gate with kids. There's always some passage telling illustration, I got my three-year-old, I told him no. They slapped me in the face, spit on me, you know, we're sinners, right? You, you know this. And God does not allow innocent people to go to hell. He just doesn't. Innoc- because no one is innocent, and you and I, what we do, we will justify what I've done based off of some people I know. So it's just called majority morality. I'll look at the person down the street and I'll be like, well, I ain't bad as them. I saw what that guy said. I saw what he did. I saw their posts. I heard what they did. They slept with And I'm not that bad. And God's got to give me some kind of effort for the good that I have done. So I'm definitely not innocent, but I'm not guilty as the guilty of the really guilty people. Because we put ourselves in the camp that, that you and I are God. And you and I are not, right? We have to say, why would God, why would God create and allow hell to be in existence? Why would he? It was not ultimately for you and I. It is a reality, and it should drive you and I to obey and to be obedient to God. Pull up Luke 12, 5. <clears throat> I think it's in there. Yep. He says, I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one after he has killed has authority to cast you into hell. If you and I should fear anyone, it's not success, it's not man, it's not uh, my past, it's not the bad things I've done, it's not if I'm going to do this or that, it's not that I shouldn't fear being shut down for another four and a half years, I shouldn't fear what's going to happen, tomorrow, all these things, I shouldn't fear all this stuff. Who should I fear? I should fear God. Because he has the ability, the ability to cast me into hell and to let me go to heaven. The saddest part about hell is that people do not have to go. That's the saddest part for me. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? If a judge was in a courtroom and the judge did not allow the penalty to be paid for, he would be a bad judge. He would be an unjust judge. If the judge looked at me for all my sins, all the bad things I've done, he said, you've committed murder, you've committed rape, you've done this, you've done X, Y, and Z, you've done all these bad things, but hey, you know what? We're just gonna let you go. Really, I've I've been a bad person. I thought these things need to be paid for. No, no, you know what? We're just gonna let you go. This is what Jesus does, and God does as the judge. Sin has to be paid for, so Jesus comes along. And he says, the payment that needs to be paid for for your sins, I'm going to take them. So you and I, all of us, sit at the judgment seat, every single one of us. And we can take the weight or guilt or payment of our sin ourselves, and we can absorb the wrath of God in hell. Or we can take what Jesus did on the cross, put all of our weight and trust on him, and we get to go to heaven, and he takes all of the penalty. So sin has to be paid for. Jesus allows a way out. So how can I know for sure if I'll be in heaven? It's uh, two slides down. How can I know for sure? So when I ask people this all the time, sometimes I just do it for 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 kicks. Uh, I'll say, hey, man, why do you think you're going to heaven? I, like I said last year, I think I'm going. Why are you going? I just think I'm going to go. Why is that? I just think God, what he would do and this and that. And I'm like, sweet. Like, what are you basing that? You know, and I'll get them to the point where they have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm like, let me tell you something. So, but even for a lot of you people in here, you, I, if I sat you down, I'll say, I was, there was someone we were talking to the other night, hey, why are you going to heaven? Because I, 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 I'm a Christian. What makes you a Christian? I believe the gospel. What's the gospel? The Bible. And you know, I mean, it was, I, I'm like raising, I'm like, oh, the Bible, huh? Like, what, what about the Bible? Just the Bible. Okay. Um, so, what are you trusting in to get you to, like, we're talking about this. This is, how can you know for sure? God does not want you to hope so, He doesn't want you to think so, He doesn't want you to gamble at all about this, God wants you to be certain. This is what it says. For I delivered to you as of first importance that I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day. So here is what is super cool. God makes it simple, he makes it available, and he gives an invitation to every single person who breathes. And says, I will take the penalty for you. I'll take it. And a lot of people are trusting in things that will not get them to heaven. So like I've shared a thousand times, and I'm going to hopefully share it until the day I die. There are four things you need to understand. If I had the whiteboard, we'd bring it out. You can't read my handwriting, but just pull up the slide. There is God. There is you. Jesus and response. That if you want to go to heaven or you want to have the certainty, a lot of you in here, you might have grown up in church and you thought, maybe you're just going to heaven because you're really good or you're really smart or you're trusting in who you voted for or you're trusting in that you're smart or that you did this or that you went to school. What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? That there's God, there's you, that you're a sinner. That you cannot earn your way to heaven. And Jesus comes just because he is so good. He dies on the cross and he rises from the dead. And you have to respond that if if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved from forgiveness of sin. Some of you may be trusting in Jesus because mom and dad asked you. Some of you may be trusting in Jesus because you were young and you heard about heaven and hell and you're like, well, I don't want to go to hell, so... That's why you've trusted in Jesus. Some of you maybe have trusted in Jesus or prayed a sinner's prayer because you got really nervous and anxious in the service. You didn't really think, you yeah, i just kind of going to do this, and you didn't really tell anyone. Some of you have trusted in all these different things. But the question I want you to ask is this. Who or what, what or who are you trusting in to get you to heaven? Are you trusting in yourself? Are you trusting in what your mom and dad did. And I don't give a rip about where you grew up, what church you went to, what Awanas you went to, what camps you went to. I don't care about any of that. What or who? Are you trusting in that you did good things and good deeds? Are you trusting in what someone else did? What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? Let me pray for you guys. I want to read Psalm 73. Psalm 73. It says in Psalm 73, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away, utters by tears. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered and when I pricked my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. For you put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But as for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of your works. Lord, I hate the idea of hell. Everything about it. I don't like thinking about it. I don't like talking about it. It's uncomfortable for me. But Lord, I know it's necessary. And I believe there are a few people here tonight who, if they were to die tonight, they would go to hell. And I know for myself, if I would have died at 17, that's where I would have went. And Lord, I just, I I pray for those right now who need to make a decision for Christ. Right now, even in their seat, and they've been uncomfortable all all night. They've been praying, they've just been sweating all night, Lord. I pray that they would confess and believe for the forgiveness of sins. God, that they would accept what you have done on the cross. And even right now, Lord, that they would call out to you for salvation. If you want to make a decision tonight, I just want you to throw your hand up for me just to pray for you real quick. That's all I want. Just for me to see you. No one else is looking. This is just between you and God. And I just want to pray for you. And you are not... God, I know for me, I think hell should motivate me a little bit more. For those who, even tonight, they just raise their hand, they're praying, they're asking for salvation, they're unsure. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your thing, and God, just open our eyes, and Lord, it says in the Bible, there is more joy in heaven when one sinner who repents than over 99 who don't need it. So I pray that we would be a people who actually believe that and seek to share with at least one person. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.